Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast. As always, Andrew Pissarro, Alex Moss in here. We are here. We are in the, the pivotal moment. The bright, the shining. Everything is upon us. The World Cup Final is set. We've got France taking on first time. My my motherland. <laughs> I'm full on adopting them. I'm, I'm coming out it. I'm saying it. Croatia. I'm so happy for you. That's convenient. Uh, Your motherland. What? what <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the other two didn't do anything, and Italy and Ireland didn't do shit, and Croatia's here and they're in the final, and I was just talking to you before we started recording, I'm so mad at myself. I've been saying, ever since the US and Italy missed out on the World Cup, that I was going to put $5 down on Croatia just to go to the final, just, just, just because why not, and I didn't do it, and I hate myself for it, because... I would be freaking the fuck out right now. I mean, I'm already freaking the fuck out, but like, I would be so. It would have won like sixty five dollars or something like that. But it was sixty five dollars that I no, didn't wasn't have. That like, it was like thirty I, to I, one back in November or December for Croatia yeah, to reach the final. Something crazy. Yeah, I would have won a yeah. decent amount of money, and, and I just we never. I never got around to doing it. I had a roommate who went to Vegas. He could have put the money down for me, and I never was like, "Oh, can you do this for me?" And I'm, I've never been more upset at myself for not gambling in my entire life. Like, I think this is the thing that's going to drive me. Like, I already have plans to gamble on the final. Well, you know the first rule of soccer when it comes to gambling? Don't. Because <laughs> it's just too unpredictable. And as we've seen from this tournament, that's been the MO of the entire tournament. You, you, don't, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, who would have thought there would have been 11 own goals who would have thought we would see croatia in the final who would have thought we would have saw a semi-final with england who would have thought we would have seen a semi-final of all european teams with some of the the south american Uh, power horses who would have thought we who would have thought we saw germany get knocked out in the group spain lose to russia yeah it's Uh, spain yeah it's it's been a great world cup i i you know we're gonna pour a little out for for the world cup as a whole in our next episode but I love this. I was talking shit in the office today. I walked into a room for the last 15 minutes of England-Croatia where everyone was rooting Ugh. for England, and I sat down. Mandzukic scores the goal. I went ape shit. Uh, they win. I walked out, peeked my head back in, and goes, hey, guys, it's coming home, and then walked out. It was great. Probably one of the best moments I've had in a long time. I was really I, feeling I will, it I will have to disagree um, with something you uh, I, I saw you remark on Twitter saying that it's coming home is dead. It it never well, it, Sydney LaRue Sydney LaRue okay. took took her it, husband to the clinic. It never dies, point. Andrew. It simply hibernates for two to four years. That's, <laughs> that's all it does. That's, it's coming I get, back. I get that. I get that. But when Sydney LaRue drags her husband on Twitter like that, it it's Is he English? I thought he was American. Dom Dwyer? Yeah. He, Dom Dwyer was born in England, grew up in Norwich, was in Norwich's oh, okay. youth system, tore his knee, was told that he was never going to play soccer in the States again, uh, or, never going to play soccer in England again, gets recruited to play college soccer in the States, comes up, plays with Orlando City when, the, when they're in the USL, gets sold to Sporting Kansas City, and then is now back in Orlando where he is now married to uh, Sidney LaRue. They're both playing for the United States national team. He had to go through the five-year process of becoming a U.S. citizen, and it is now eligible to play for the United States. Boy, do I feel his struggle there. (laughs) In the middle of that myself. (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let's jump into the matches. France on Tuesday gets a 1-0 victory over Belgium. Uh, Umtiti getting the goal in the 51st minute off an assist from Antoine Griezmann, who I thought was another interesting game for Griezmann and the French. Um, I will say I was impressed with Belgium throughout this game. I didn't think they were able to capitalize really on their chances, and I thought that they missed a player who was suspended on yellow cards, and that would be uh, Mounier the right wing back from Paris Saint-Germain, missing, like I said, missing out on suspension. And I really thought that replacing him with Moussa Dembele wasn't the right fit for for Belgium. We've talked about this team with Belgium before, that they don't really have fullbacks, which is why they play with three def- three central defenders. There were moments in this game where I looked at the tactical decisions that they made, and I really didn't like them. The substitutions were suspect in my mind. Um, but... Another solid performance from the French. They might not always be able to attack, but they sure as hell. Can I find defend. it, yeah, I find it really hard to really even fault Roberto Martinez, and I feel like a lot of people, myself included, have defaulted in the past to just sort of blaming him whenever his teams uh, fail to get the right result. But it's hard to blame him too much when you consider the fact that breaking down this French team is a puzzle that, frankly, no one has really been able to. Uh, to pull off so far in this tournament. And you could maybe even argue going back to the the Euros, even though they did lose in the final, they were pretty solid defensively throughout that Euros and and, uh, overall had pretty good performances. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, Moussa Dembele coming in, I was kind of, everyone was kind of thinking like, oh, how's this going to work? Are they still going to be playing uh, with two wingbacks? Who's going to be the second wingback if uh, Chadley was on the right? And it turned out it was like kind of, just a rotation of like De Bruyne, Fellaini, Witzel would just sort of float out into the left wing, uh, depending on when they had the ball and just sort of who was in the vicinity to go fill that space. It wasn't really, it was just kind of like a, a left wing back by committee, not really a, any sort of defined player. But I mean, even with these like weird sort of things that uh, uh, Martinez uh, or adjustments Martinez tried to make, France just—it didn't matter. They just—they have—they have the players personnel-wise to match up man-to-man with pretty much any team. And Belgium had their chances early; like uh, they were pretty impressive early. I, I'll agree with you there. But as the match went on, they just kind of seemed to run out of ideas. And every time they they tried something new, like in the second half, they. Uh, brought on Mertens and they started getting De Bruyne out to the right wing and they started having Mertens and De Bruyne combine and try to make space to play in a cross for Fellaini and and uh, Lukaku. And France were equal to that. Like Pogba was tracking Fellaini. He cleared the ball for defensive headers plenty of times. Giroud was coming back to defend. Obviously, Varane and Mtiti were amazing once again. There was just... Uh, that was pretty much like the last sort of trick Belgium tried to sort of unlock the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the jigsaw that is this France defense. And uh, when it, when it didn't really work initially uh, for that, or when it started working, uh, when they first tried it, France threw more bodies out there and just sort of left the middle of the park to N'Golo Kante to cover, which he obviously did amazingly. And they pretty much just stopped Belgium from playing any of those crosses in. And it was game set and match. Belgium were out of ideas after that. It was, uh, I, I, I'll say for the Belgium team overall weren't impressive. I think Eden Hazard was really impressive. Um, Lukaku was kind of played out of the game. De Bruyne tried his best, but just didn't quite look right. Um, Hazard was the one who, from the get-go and still with them trailing in the second half, he was still taking players on. I think he had something like, 
10 out of 12 take-ons completed in that game, which is like definitely the most by any player in this World Cup in a single game. So uh, like he's pretty much the lone bright spot, and France just sort of chug right along uh, with their defensive solidity intact. Uh, yeah, and the other thing I will say, too, that I, the, the defensive solidity from France has been fantastic. Uh, Mitweedy came right back in and helped. I mean, not that they were lacking defensive in the, in the last game, lacking defensive structure in the last game, but uh, Mitweedy in that midfield, really, Mitweedy, Pogba, and... Conte really locks it down. It, it that is as a great midfield. It's not the necessarily the midfield that's going to score a ton of goals, but you just have to score one. And, and they're well, it's kind lock of a shocker down. that Mbappe other... and uh, well, mainly Mbappe didn't score. And you can mainly blame Olivier Giroud for the fact that France didn't have a couple more because he was set up. He was set yeah, up. Absolutely, a, I can think of two different times. Mainly that little back heel uh, flick that Mbappe had. They just set up Giroud perfectly, and he got blocked by uh, Dembele, I think. And another time when Mbappe got played in, in, into the uh, the right channel by, I think, a ball from either Griezmann or Pogba, and he first time crosses it square across the box, and Giroud just sort of like throws himself at it and misses wide. And you're just kind of thinking, Jesus, like, I get that Giroud has, is an asset to this team, and he brings uh, his own sort of, uh, his own sort of, uh, pros to the team ability but like goal scoring like if they just had a goal scorer up there next to some of those players they'd be just de- destroying some of these teams yeah i would agree with that um there was another point i was going to make about this game oh yeah you talked about de bruyne throwing all those balls in later in the game and i honestly felt like belgium i said i said it to the people i was watching the match with it was like Belgium have so many guys forward that they're going to get caught. Yeah, they, they almost I, did. You know, France should have caught did. The France should have caught them on that on that counter multiple times. What did you think of of uh, Mbappe for the lack of a better term pulling a Neymar throughout moments of this match? Being a little do you, do you think his actions at, at moments some of the rolling around, some of the just the off the ball stuff. I think part of it is gamesmanship. I didn't really have a big problem with it because, in my opinion, it wasn't as bad as Neymar. But there's a lot of people on the internet and in soccer media killing the guy for it right now. What say you? You want to give him the benefit of the doubt because, at the end of the day, he is – is he 20 yet or is he still 19? He's No, he's Jesus. still 19. He's, he's a kid. So I personally want to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's um, – He's a product of the, the the game he's been raised in, and he's grown up seeing all of these players doing it. And I don't think most of the time, especially in Europe, I don't uh, outside of like uh, the British Isles and places, it's not really frowned upon to do that sort of thing in a game of that magnitude. You know, at the end of the day, no one no one's going to really remember Mbappe strolling away with the ball and then throwing himself to the ground. They're going to remember France got to the World Cup final and. A lot of people will probably agree with me that they'll probably remember France won the World Cup and they won't really care about that. So I don't blame him too much. If it becomes a pattern, though, then you start to change your opinion of him. That's fair. That's fair. Let's move to today's match. Croatia beats England 2-1 in extra time. Kieran Chirpier with an early lead for England in the fifth minute on a free kick, an absolute... Christian Eriksen is very nervous kick. about his free kick taking duties in Tottenham. <laughs> I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I still think Christian Eriksen is going to be the guy, but, I mean, it's always good to have another option, and, and 
Trippier. Trippier has been fantastic. I think he's he's going to be in my team in the tournament when we do that and we sit down and look at that next week. I, he, I was very impressed by him this tournament. A player that I've kind of slagged off over the years on this podcast, mainly because he plays for Tottenham. But you know my feelings about Easy that. Easy target. I get uh, it. Paris, yeah, Perisic in the 68th minute equalizes. And the first half was all England of this match, and the second half and extra time was Croatia came out and they went to war. And they won that war. And you know who started that war? Was Perisic. Yes, Modric had a great game, arguably man of the match. But for me, Perisic was the heart and the soul of this Croatian team. His on-the-ball runs were excellent. His off-the-ball moves were excellent. His touches were fantastic. He he scored this goal in the 68th minute and then hit the post not five minutes later. Uh, Mario Mandzukic gets the winner in the 109th minute. But Perisic was the guy in this game for me, for Croatia. He really came up, and in the big moments, especially, like I said, in the second half, was showed why he almost went to Manchester United for close to 50 million quid last year. He was fantastic. Uh, Rakitic was great. Modric was great. I, But I, I'm not going to sit here and, and totally shit on England. I, I did pick Croatia to win 2-1 in extra time, not to brag. Uh pat myself on the back you a little bit them? right there i didn't even yeah i did it's in the dock i just checked i didn't even remember picking it because if i did remember you i would have even been even more of an <laughs> asshole on twitter today at andrew Passaro at asmos 92 at ghost gold pod uh but england was england should have scored a couple more goals in the first half croatia were very suspect in the first half and you know we we very easily could have been having the conversation right now about england and um, I was a little bit surprised by the lineup selections. I, when you look at the midfield that you knew Croatia was going to pet out, it, even if it just was Modric and Rakitic, obviously they threw Brozovic back in there today, that, that, that they were a class above the midfield three of Deli Alli, uh, Jesse Lingard, and Jordan Henderson. I was, I was a little disappointed we didn't get to see your man, Alex's man, Ruben Loftus. Ruby. I felt like he would have... I thought he would have had an important role to play in today's match, and I, I think that was a little bit of a mistake. I don't know if you drop Lingard or you just drop Alley, but I felt like England went up 1-0. They kept attacking, and then in the second half, they literally just tried to hold back, and I thought that was quite possibly one of the worst decisions. They brought on Marcus Rashford, who didn't really impact the game much, in my opinion. I, I just And they brought on Jay Vardy late. Real late, like five minutes left after they Real went down late. two one. Yeah, yeah. I I just there was a point in that match where it's like England is just playing this to get the penalties. Which yes, England won once in penalties, but Croatia won twice on penalties, and Subasic stopped the Russians on a strained hamstring. So like, just a couple moments that I'm looking at Gareth Southgate, and and yes, he did a great job. He's been the best manager that England has seen in 20 years since he was playing for this team, but. Just a couple moments where it's like, England, you're a little smarter in the final right now. Yeah, um, the Ruben Loftus-Cheek call, it, it's a bit soon. You know, it's a World Cup semifinal. In the grand scheme of things, that's what can that would be considered maybe like the third biggest game in that you can play in as a player. The first being the World Cup final, obviously. The second maybe being like a Champions League final. And then you could put like a se- World Cup semifinal yeah. right below that. It's a huge game. Uh, it's probably a bit too soon for him. He's just played one full season uh, on loan at Crystal Palace, and the. Can I counter yeah, that ahead. real quick? 
Jurgen Klopp started Trent Alexander-Arnold in the World Cup in the Champions League. Final. That's fine, but I, I, again, he's training every single day with that team for the last two years. He's a he's a youth team player at Liverpool. He he, he understands like the the culture and the system. This is a ragtag group of players, and you can say that for a lot of uh, international teams. That's why you rarely see young and na- mainly inexperienced players get a chance for the really really top top teams until they've proven themselves. Uh, it, it was a bit too soon, and I think England were coming off their best performance of the tournament by far against Sweden. They could have won that Sweden game, what, like 3-4-0. They had some excellent chances. So I understand them keeping the same 11. Where it kind of went wrong for them, I think, was that midfield battle, as we anticipated, was difficult for them, and Ali and Lingard didn't really feel the same sort of confidence to bomb forward and get things going on the counterattack. It was pretty much Raheem Sterling, one of the fullbacks, maybe one of Ali or Lingard would be able to get forward, while the other one would have to sit in next to Henderson and sort of help out defensively in, in midfield. And as a result, just the, the sting wasn't quite there on their counterattacks because obviously, as we mentioned on the last podcast, Harry Kane's role has been as a target man for uh, set pieces and when England are in possession. But on the counterattack, he drops in a little bit, picks up the ball with his back to goal, maybe in midfield or somewhere, really, really deep, turns and plays a ball in for one of those forward players, Ali, Sterling, Lingard, one of those three, or one of the fullbacks. And those runs just weren't there in as much of abundance as they have been in the past because... If you commit too many of those players forward, Croatia could have torn them apart. They have that they have that uh, capability. So with England's respect for them, it kind of hampered their attacking ability. No, I mean, I I, I get all that. Um, I just I really enjoyed the second half of this game. Uh, Croatia is special when they're were... like they're on and they're ticking, right? They, there's yeah, a couple yeah. of plays I, there and a couple of times where like their hardworking forward players won the ball back for them up in like uh, in in forward areas where you just thought every time they got they won the ball back around like the opponent's attack or defensive third you, you thought they were going to score and they and it was honestly it could it could have been could have been like three one Croatia at the end of uh, at the end of regular time never mind having it have to go to uh, extra time. Having watched all the games in this tournament that I did, I don't think I saw I don't think I've seen another team throughout the tournament work as hard as I've seen Croatia work. Like you use the term grit. If you were gonna define a team in this tournament with the word grit, it would be Croatia. And I and, and in other tournaments you would think of that as like the hard tackles or the fouls, etc. For Croatia, it's just been the busting their ass the entire time. It's been – I've really – Well, it's great because they bring really a bu- small country or a small nation mentality uh, to the game. But they have the the technical players and the talent that most small countries don't have to, uh, to, to, to really make it a lethal mix of the two. You know, Croatia as a, as a country is smaller than Panama. Smallest – population of a nation to reach the world cup final since uruguay in the 1930 final all right so we've talked about both games let's get ready for the weekend two matches games on saturday and sunday uh i don't i don't really want to spend too much of a time on this third place i threw the belgium england game in there just you know shits and giggles 
Yeah. Throw a prediction yeah. out there. I, I don't mean, even know. It may be England versus Belgium B teams part two. <laughs> I think you're still going to see Lukaku and Kane go for it because they're going to want to try to win yeah, Golden true. Boot. And I think that's the only reason. But I think this is where you'll see Trent Alexander-Arnold get in there. This is where you'll see Ruben Loftus-Cheek get in there. I'd probably see a switch goalkeeper. I'm going to say 3-2 Belgium. Uh, what about you? Uh, I have 3-1 Belgium. All right. There we go. Um, but here we go. The final. France-Croatia. Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. I'll be at a beach in Ocean City watching the final. Um, France are playing for the for the second tournament that they've appeared in, also appearing in a final. A lot of similar pieces. Kylian Mbappe was not a part of that team in 2016. He is now. But a lot of similar pieces. They lost to Portugal in extra time. They were the favorites. Um, big question for me, is who's going to win the midfield battle. I talked about it earlier that the French midfield has been fantastic, and we've, we've gone on and on about Rakitic, Modric, whoever the third that steps in there with them for Croatia. That's where, and For me, that's where the battle's going to be. Offensively, you got to go with the French. But midfield, I think, is where this game can be won for Croatia. Um, and yeah, that they're, they're going to be a bit more tired. They've played the last three games. They've played 120 minutes. France haven't had to deal with that. Um, I got I to feel it. I, 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 I got to feel it. I'm going to fucking do it. You're not going to do it, are you? Ah, uh, you're making up for the money you didn't bet on yeah. them seven I, months ago. I'm going to take the same <laughs> score line. I'm going to take 2-1 extra time. 2-1 in extra time. 2-1 in extra time. Uh, oh. I would love extra time again. I mean, we saw the last World Cup final go to extra time. Um... We've seen actually we've seen the last four World Cups go to extra time, or, or last three, last three because in did the yeah, did, did the Germany then, Argentina uh, one go to came on and scored in in the last like five minutes. It's not a great omen for uh, a good World Cup game, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the la- the last few have not been uh, entertaining. The last last few finals, no. I mean, 2010, Spain, Iniesta in extra time. And then 2006, obviously the very famous headbutting incident in extra time, which sees Zinedine Zidane get sent off. Yeah, that was a 1-1 uh, draw that went to penalties. Yeah, and, and most of that action was in like the opening 10 minutes, if I believe. I don't know about that. I think the first half, yeah. But yeah, it was the, the first half, half. Obviously, had the the headbutt. Well, that was an extra time. That was an extra time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Alex, what excites you about this match? Besides it being the final and blah blah blah. Well, yeah. Beside beside the obvious, what, what excites what excites me is just the idea of it being a. Defensive versus offensive matchup. Obviously, France being the more defensive of the two and Croatia being the more offensive possession-based uh, of the two. But it's a defense-offense matchup where technically the more talented and the, the better team, the favorite, if you will, is the defensive team while uh, while the uh, the upstart underdog Croatia. And I, 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 all the respect to Croatia. They're, they've played... Very well, this World Cup, and they've—I I think they've personally slightly surpassed expectations. They're the team that's going to be probably holding onto the ball for large portions of the game. 
but f- with that with that possession comes a a very heavy price to pay, which uh, Belgium seemed very aware of uh, while they were trying to come back from a goal down. You can't just go balls to the wall, throw bodies forward, and completely disrespect France's ability on the counterattack. They'll tear you to shreds, and the game will be over by halftime. Croatia have to figure out a way to uh, do everything that they like to do offensively, which is mainly sort of keep the ball in the middle of the field, uh, while the likes of N'Golo Kante, Paul Pogba, Blaise Matuidi, uh, Griezmann, all, all of those players are dropping into midfield and helping win the ball back. And then that was something that Belgium really struggled with, where the only really option you have is to go out wide. And when that's only your real, your only real option, you become very predictable and slightly easy to defend. And France obviously have the players defensively to sort of limit you in the wide areas. And if you try to make passes in, I don't think Croatia are going to be, I know they had success against England with those, those aerial balls into Perisic when he equalized for them. But France, the quality of defender is, is it's a, it's a big step up from John Stone slash Harry Maguire up to Samuel and and Raphael Varane. So they're not probably going to be able to have the same success there. So there's no real way you can feasibly see them break down France routinely uh, in possession. What they're going to be hoping for is exactly what France have fed off this, uh, and, and, and England too have fed off in this tournament, which is set pieces and maybe a bit of luck with a, with a VAR decision here or there to just sort of get their noses in front and hope that with their possession they can sort of coax France out of their defensive shape once the Croatia have the lead and try and hit them uh, in behind there. That's a formula that like may pay off, but you know, you can't really be too reliant on that as a team. If you're, if your coach is telling you get, we need to get really lucky to win this game. You're probably not going into the match with too much confidence. So it's certainly a, uh, a huge puzzle for Slavko Dalic and the rest of the Croatian uh, backroom staff to figure out. Um, I don't think they'll be able to do it. I'm not quite as ballsy as you, and I don't quite believe in Croatia as much as you do. Obviously, I picked France to to win the whole thing. Uh, I I think France... Not initially. Not initially. I'm not not letting you have that one. Yeah, no, okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, had Spain flipped to Brazil when Lopetegui was uh, fired. My thing was just kind of like I flipped to Brazil because, you know, they're the next best, most talented team with the easiest group. I saw them doing well. Went through the group stage, and I think it's pretty fair to say France and Brazil were about equal in terms of like their performances, like how well they did. And I looked at the two teams there, reevaluated the situation. They're both on the same side of the bracket, and I just kind of decided to myself, which of these two teams do I I, I like more? Because it's going to be one of these two coming from the more difficult side of the bracket. And just I like I've mentioned many a time, I just believed in France's defense and N'Golo Kante too much that any teams could be able to figure it out. So. Uh, I'm going to go on with the trend of a boring final. I think it's going to be another 1-0, maybe 2-0 France, but I'll, I'll put down officially 1-0. All righty. Watch Olivier I, Giroud get the winning goal too. Watch, <laughs> I just feel like wa- that, would be the most, that would be the most Olivier Giroud thing ever. Not score a goal the, and not have a shot on goal the entire World Cup and then score the winning goal in the World Cup final. <laughs> uh, you know what actually would be the greatest thing ever? Dayan Lovren gets the winner. Okay, I mean that would be pretty entertaining too. But I'm just I'm just saying the most Olivier Giroud thing he could do 
is to play like crap in front of goal all tournament and then score the winning goal in the in the World Cup final. That, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, yeah, uh, where are you going to watch the final? I am going to be home. Uh, going to be at my parents' place with my uh, cousin Connor. It's going to be his last day here in the states before he moves back to Ireland permanently. Oh shit! So uh, yeah, that's a, it's a good way to to say goodbye. World Cup final. Yeah. I'm going to be on the beach and then I'm going to continue drinking all day and then I'm going to turn 25. And then I'm going to have a really bad double hangover. Yeah. I, a re- like a really bad that's, double hangover. That's one prediction that we can both agree is definitely going to come true. <laughs> yeah. Confirmed. It's, it's fucking Wednesday. At least you'll know. be, you'll be at least one for three on your predictions from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Confirmed. Um, yeah, so that wraps it up. Uh, before we before we uh, call it a day, I uh, did want to say that we, uh, we we nailed the Ronaldo going to Juventus news last week before it happened. So again, pat on the back to us. I'll say you nailed it because I was skeptical right up until the official announcement. <laughs> That's fair. More credit to me. I'm okay with that. Um, until next time, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Andrew Passaro, at ASMoss92, at Ghost Goal Pod Review. Like, rate us on iTunes. And everybody have a happy and safe World Cup final. This is a day that only comes once every four years. It is the best day that comes once every four years. You know why? Because the whole world shuts up for about 90 minutes to two hours and they watch the beautiful game. Whether they're a soccer fan, whether they're a baseball fan, a golf fan, a tennis fan, it doesn't matter. This is the event that truly brings the world together. Embrace that, throw a party, drink lots of beer, blackout, I don't care. Just watch soccer and enjoy it. Until next time. Amen.